Hey, Nick. How are you doing? Good. How are you, man? Oh, not too bad. Uh, well, you know, thanks again for for coming on. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you for bringing me on. I'm excited to be here. You know, <laughs> for everybody that's listening, we tried to do this last week and we had some minor issues. <laughs> it looks like our one of our computers got coronavirus or something. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of technical issues. Yeah, but, but we're back. We're here again. <laughs> yes, we're here to do it again. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Let me see because I feel like it's a little bit too loud. And I, from the last time that you know, when we tried to do it, I really like your your stand. So I went out of the out of my way to try to get myself one too. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, so this is my first time using it, but do I sound very raspy or not? No, not too bad. I think you no? sound pretty oh, good. Oh, okay. And you know, with the, uh, I, I really like doing uh, like from like statewide podcasts, but the timing uh, always messes me up every time. Because yeah. like for you, you're actually my first guest that's on the East Coast. Or, oh really? Yeah, all the people that have come on my podcast have been like from California, so okay. I've kind of already gotten used to the two-hour difference. But for you, it's only one-hour difference, so <laughs> I haven't really, um, uh, I haven't really gotten used to it. You know, I but, use uh, so, for all yeah. of my scheduling. I use Calendly, and they take care of it for you. So like mm -hmm. I'll send it to the guest and then they pick the time that they want and then Calendly will put it in my calendar under my time zone. Mm -hmm. So then I know that it's always right because I'm, I'm the same way. I get so confused and like I'll be talking to people and be like, okay, does this time work for you? And they'll be like, yeah, sounds good. Not mm -hmm. thinking like you're three hours behind and I'm three hours ahead and we're both thinking about two different times. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you, you know, as we were chatting um, I kind I came across well when you when you sent me your the link to your calendar I was looking it up and it looked pretty cool so I'm definitely gonna be checking it out and um, you know just like how we met through this uh, website I'm surprised it doesn't have an app but this website is called Wildcast and um, I forgot how I came across it. But I mean, with Wildcast, it has definitely helped me out. I mean, now I, I, I this is, that's how I met you. And now I'm already talking to somebody else that can potentially be another guest. How did you come across Wildcast? I honestly think I was talking, I had Madison on my podcast mm -hmm. like a few weeks back. And I was talking to her about that. And I, I think it was from like an Instagram ad or something. Oh. Just it popped up on my feed and I was like, huh. I always need more guests for my podcast, so let's go right. check this thing out and see what's going on. And I, I honestly love it. It's, we're obviously still in the beginning stages. They just launched in September. I don't know if you um, know that. Like they're right. still very young, and but, I mean, I'll, I'll email her. I'll talk to her about certain things that I find, and they're usually like quick to jump on it. And they're like, "Hey, like go check it out again. Like that's not there anymore, or we fixed mm -hmm. this. Like go check this out." So they're constantly in development. They're still figuring it out but they i mean so far the platform has been awesome i've met a lot of awesome people like you and several others that have come on my podcast and that i've gone on their podcast so it's it's been an awesome experience so far it's 
it's a little bit more, I don't know, community, like actually connecting and engaging with people versus like right. cold pitching, like, hey, I have this podcast, you want to come on? <laughs> right. And you know, one thing that's even helpful for both the guest and the podcaster is that as soon as you create an account, which I found super interesting is that once you're setting up an account, you're able to put yourself whether you want to be a guest or whether you want to be a podcaster and like that, you know, you can get guests looking for a podcaster and vice versa. You know, you could get a podcaster looking for a guest and you have a variety. So it's just, it's very cool. Um, you know, all these things that are opening up to that's going to help, you know, podcasters and uh, guests and just having so much um, legitimate information out there coming from, you know, actual people that are in the force, you know. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more platforms pop up now because, I mean, just in the last year, I think podcast has really exploded as in terms of like a platform. And more and more people are getting onto it. I think they just broke, it was either a million or two million podcasts worldwide just this last year, which is big. But at the same time, it's still very small when you compare it to YouTube and blogging, where I think YouTube has 50 million active channels. Mm. And podcasting just broke a million. So it's still a super young platform, which has me excited about getting on it and trying to be one of like the the quote unquote first people, even though everyone's been doing it for years now, but like it's still young and being able to get in early is really exciting and fun. Right. I think it's, I feel like everything that has happened in like first is like COVID podcast and just technology. It seems like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if um, I feel like it's all kind of coming together in a way because now, you know, because of COVID now we've, we've kind of, um, there's less contact within each other, you mm -hmm. know? And also one thing that has helped with that is podcast. And I mean, even on your phone, like so even when you, when the new phones, you don't even have to, you know, type in your code. All you do is just do the face recognition and you're in, and there's just everything, even when you go, uh, to companies, uh, as soon as you walk in, they don't go out there and check your temperature. And sometimes they'll just have stands and you just go and they check your temperature and you're it. So there's, it's crazy how many things are becoming so contactless. And it's just, to me, it's kind of crazy just to even think or imagine where it's going to lead up to, you know? Well, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think what's What's so cool about podcasting and what kind of makes it unique and why I think it did really kind of flourish during the pandemic is I think everything getting shut down really exposed how everyone needs to be connected. Everyone's out there searching for connection. And when we're all locked in that house, we can't have that connection. And podcasting is a much more personal. It's still not you, me talking face to face. I mean, we are, but we're not, mm -hmm. but you still kind of get that, I don't know, you hear the person on the other end. You're able right. to build a connection with the voice on the other end versus something like a blog where you just see the written text. There's no emotion behind it. You can't get a feel for what that mm -hmm. person is like. So I think there's that level of connectedness and that connection there that really helps podcasts. I mean, you see it with Clubhouse and Twitter spaces now. 
these audio only platforms, which I actually really love. I've spent quite a bit of time on Clubhouse and being able to actually engage and have a one-on-one conversation with someone is way different than like hitting someone up in the comments and being like, Hey man, I really like this post. Like there's no feeling or emotion behind that. You can't have a very productive discussion inside right. the comments on like a Facebook post and being right. able to get feedback back and forth and hear, hear people talking and engage with them that way. It's, it's such a cool way. And I think that's when everything's getting shut down. I think that's why that's really succeeding now is because everyone wants that connection. Right. And to me, that it's very fascinating how, you know, how we, where we are now and years ago of how it was, because I mean, I, I could only imagine that years ago, all you knew is your little town and that's it. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you would probably have to either like walk or get in your carriage or get in your horse and, you know, go a mile or two just to get, just to get you know, interaction or get, or get a hold of somebody, you know, and now it's, you could talk, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking to, uh, with each other from different states, you know, and mm-hmm. we could pretty much talk to anybody out there in the world. There's no, there's no limit anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, I love it for that aspect because I'm not the type to go out of my way to leave. I mean, my wife and I, we like to travel, we like to get out, we like to do mm-hmm. stuff, but when I'm out and about, I'm not usually looking to build relationships with random people that I meet. <laughs> so <laughs> social medias and like podcasting and YouTube and all that's really cool because you can find people based on their interests, what they're sharing, doing all that. And you're kind of able to vet people before you meet them versus right. walking up to strangers and saying, hey, what do you like to do? Hey, what do you like to do? <laughs> like, right. It, it kind of, they do the filtering for you in that aspect. But yeah, it's it's awesome that you are able to really connect. I've connected with people all over the world now since starting the podcast over in the UK and Switzerland and Australia. And just, it's been so cool being able to kind of have that ability to do that. Right. Right. So you're in West Virginia and how, how has West Virginia acted with the whole COVID and everything going on? Um, they, they were actually really late to like, fully shut everything down oh really i think they were one of the last states but at the same time i think they were when all the tests started rolling out they were one of the last ones to have a confirmed covid test which is kind of interesting Hmm. um but now i mean almost everything is open um obviously you got the masks that you gotta wear still Mm -hmm. um for the most part majority of restaurants are open um stores everything seems to be open and functioning it's just got to wear a mask and that's i think there's some businesses that might be still shut down right now but for the most part we're kind of living a little bit more normal (laughs) right and um so you have a pretty um i would say a pretty interesting and what i've noticed from a lot of uh some of my subscribers they really like uh people that are kind of like project managers in that position and you're you're a project manager right yeah. Yep. I'm a project manager for a construction company. Yep. Okay. And how has that affected uh, you during the whole COVID thing? Right now, a lot of construction has continued on throughout the pandemic. So it was, I think, I can't remember how exactly they worded it. It was like one of those essential jobs that had to keep moving forward. Right. So, I mean, a lot of stuff changed in the workplace. Every morning we have to do a temperature check. 
So mm-hmm. basically, as soon as we get there, you fill out like the symptom sheet. Like, do you have any of these symptoms? Yes, no. And then do a temperature check. And then obviously masks like everywhere else. Otherwise, I mean, there's been some changes, but not anything huge. Like we didn't, I think maybe we were shut down for like a week while they were okay. still trying to figure out what was going to happen, like how we were going to go about handling the situation. And then once we kind of got a grasp and put some rules and regulations in place with it, then everything started going back to work and kind of business as usual after that. Mm. So on your, uh, on your day-to-day as a project manager and a construction company, how does, how does that go about? So a lot of what I do is progress tracking. So tracking the progress of the jobs that we're on, um, tracking the budgets, the schedules, organizing the bids. So each month we kind of have to review the project, see where we're at in terms of progress and what we think is going to take to finish the job. So it's a lot of a lot of tracking like that. It's a lot of time in Excel sheets, a lot of time just really plugging numbers away. But um, yeah, it's it's I don't know, keeps me busy for sure. <laughs> right. And do you do is there like is there different platforms that you go as their project managers for um, for commercial, for houses, or how does that how does that work? Um, really, it's all kind of based off of the, it's called a PMP. Hmm. Um, I, I don't even know. It's kind of like a certificate or like right. a standard practice. It's like, it stands for project management professional. Right. And everything is kind of based around those principles. Um, that's something that I'm actually working towards right now is getting that PMP certification. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's usually pretty similar. Like the concepts and the principles are all the same. It's just a matter of what you're actually tracking now. Are you tracking commercial? Are you tracking um, infrastructure? Um, it just, the functions of how you track it are just different, but really the principles, how you schedule, how you project out, how you calculate your costs and do all that's all relatively similar from industry to industry. Right. So the, have you taken the PMP before the PMP test before? I have not. I started taking, I was taking some online courses. They were like UCLA online courses as sort of like a prep. Um, and then I'm, I'm still going to go take, there's more of a, that was like an introduction to project management type of thing. Mm. And then there is like an actual PMP prep course that I'm going to go through that'll kind of get me more prepared for that test. I know several people who have taken it and they said it's a, it's a beast of an exam, <laughs> but they passed. So I'm, I'm leaning on them a little bit to kind of, show me where to go with it as I'm getting ready for the test. But Right. So the, um, what was I going to say? Has a thing I was, I was right there. Um, oh, uh, did you, did you go, is, is project management something that you wanted to go into or was it construction or what came first? <laughs> Honestly, it, it was something that all kind of fell together. At the same time, okay. I actually went to school. I graduated with a business administration degree, and I was really just putting the feelers out, sending resumes out to different places. Um, I played baseball in college, and my coach there in college, he worked for this company, and he reached out and said, hey, like they're looking for project managers. If you're interested in mm-hmm. it, let me know. We can send in a resume and said, okay, sure. Here you go. Send it in. 
didn't hear back from him for months. I had gotten a different job. I was actually living in Minneapolis at the time oh, wow. and working in the city there, just at like cubicle. It was not great. <laughs> and then they ended up calling me and said, Hey, can you come in for an interview? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, all right, well, in a couple of weeks, we need you to go out to North Dakota. It's like, holy cow. All right. Wow. <laughs> so it all kind of really happened fast. And it was kind of like a sink or swim situation where you just kind of got thrown out there. And I was like, all right, go figure it out. Right. I, I had some some good people that kind of guided me along the way. Some kind of like mentors mm-hmm. in the field that helped me get my feet underneath me. And then being a project-based thing, we kind of bounce around. My wife and I moved to wherever the projects go oh, wow. next. So we've kind of lived all over the place in the U.S. now. That's uh, that's pretty cool. And that's something, how often do they make you, how often do they give you the opportunity to travel? So usually it's based on the project itself. A lot of the projects that we do are typically about six months to a year long. Oh, wow. And that's been pretty consistent up until I moved out here to West Virginia. Um most of the projects we end up getting there early spring and then leaving like late fall, end of December timeframe. And this project has faced a lot of issues out here. And we've been going since 2018, beginning of 2018. I've been out on this one. Oh, wow. Do so, you have, uh, do you have any kids? No, no kids right now. Oh, okay. uh, my wife and I got married actually after we moved out here, a few months after we moved out here, we, Went back home because we're actually from Minnesota and Wisconsin. So we went back home, got married, and then came back out here again and been just kicking it out in West Virginia. <laughs> nice. I was going to say that would be, that would be a big complicating, right? Trying to uh, travel through your work and then have kids and just have them go with you wherever they go. Yeah, that that's something we, we had talked about. It's probably not going to be something we do while I'm still working in this job specifically because, yeah, we don't wouldn't want to have to drag the kids from location to location. Right. And really, I mean, where I want to go with my career and everything that I'm doing is not really in this position. I've definitely learned a lot and it's helping me kind of develop my own brand and business. And that's mm-hmm. really where my focus has been trying to like build that up to where one day I can eventually leave construction, leave project management and focus on my stuff full time. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the is, is traveling one of the things that you love about your job. It's it's really interesting. Like we really love to travel. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the places that the projects end up happening are not like the most fun places. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the first year we were in North Dakota, and then uh-huh. I mean I probably never would have spent a lot of time in North Dakota myself. <laughs> No right. offense to anybody in North Dakota. <laughs> it's just there's a lot of dirt and a lot of wind. Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's not my place. Um, right. And then West Virginia, again, that, that one was actually interesting because I, I never had any desire to go to West Virginia. And once I got out here, I realized, like, it's a really beautiful state. Mm. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's been a long time here. We're, we're like, ready to kind of move back towards the Midwest a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of be closer to home in a way closer to right. family right and uh, how long have you been in uh, how long have you been a project manager for for the construction industry um it would have been the first project i went down was 2016 so oh, okay. not too terribly long but yeah mm-hmm. 
Has there been any big changes that you've seen and as far as construction between when you started and now? Um, I think more like the from permitting a permitting standpoint, um, the regulations and restrictions there have gotten stricter. Mm -hmm. So we're actually a contractor that's hired by like the project itself. Oh, okay. We actually do the physical construction. Mm -hmm. And since over like the last couple of years, it's been increasingly difficult for those companies to get the permits that we need to actually do the construction. So mm -hmm. that that's been what's kind of plagued us out here on this job specifically is the permitting, how tighter they're trying to make everything. Mm -hmm. but that, that's been really the biggest change I've seen just over the few years. Right. So from going to school everything that you learned and all the classes that you took what are what would you say were some interesting things that really um helped you as you went into the actual field that helped you out that, that's a good question <laughs> um i would say probably probably the management classes mm -hmm. in particular um I actually took, I took some pretty extensive Excel classes in college and I didn't, when I was taking them at the time, I didn't think anything. I was like, when am I going to use Excel? Like, why would I use this? Like, all I use it for is like making lists. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the class that I took, we actually got like really in depth with some crazy formulas and actually thinking about it now, they're not really that crazy. But mm -hmm. at the time it was like, holy cow, this is so much. And that's something we use spreadsheets a lot. And oh, okay. looking back at it, I was like, holy cow, like I actually took classes on this very stuff and it was like all starting to come back to me. And since we do a lot of our tracking and progress reporting through Excel, it really helped me kind of keep up and stay ahead. Whereas other people that weren't quite as Excel savvy were kind of falling behind. Mm -hmm. um, but then really just, I think the the sense of community and being able to socialize and do all that in college is what's probably been the biggest positive impact on my career, where I'm at and where I'm planning to go. So I think without that social aspect of it, I probably would have been someone of a hermit sitting in my apartment, staying away from everybody. Like I was <laughs> such an introvert and I still am, but I, I would just, I don't know. I didn't really have any desire to go out of my way. Right. It's kind of it's it's kind of funny that because um, I I would consider myself an introvert too, and then now you say you're an introvert, and I've actually I've also uh, interviewed a couple of people that are introverts, but then these are the people that you know that we're out here and we're having these type of conversations, you know. Yeah. It's just it's, it's I don't know it's weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually someone came on my podcast and we were talking about introvert. She okay. coaches introverted entrepreneurs and she threw out a term that I had never heard before, but it's called ambivert. Am, what, say, say it again? Ambivert. Ambivert? I, yeah, I don't know how to spell it and I don't know if I'm saying it totally <laughs> right, but basically it's like you're kind of like caught in the middle. Like mm. you're an introvert in the fact that you're not going to go out of your way. But then when the time comes where you have to kind of be more extroverted, you can. Right. And I, I think I would fall like lean more between like introvert and ambivert where 
like coming on a podcast, I mean, it took a while to get me to this point where I'm more comfortable speaking on a microphone and just talking freely like this. Right. But it seems like now I'm more comfortable doing that and we can sit here and have a conversation and I can be a little right. bit more outgoing and like a little bit more energetic with everything I'm doing and not right. totally just like completely locked down. Right. So that, that was really interesting to me. I, I think that's probably more where I would fall into now looking at right. it. Yeah, that's uh, that's another reason why, you know, I enjoy um, doing like a podcast with another just like a one on one. I'm I'm that's where I'm not, you know, an extrovert to where I don't like to have I don't like to be the center of attention mm-hmm. and I don't I don't like to be in a in a group and kind of yep. talk. I just I, I don't know. I get, I get very shy. Yeah. But like stuff like this, this is something that just one-on-one conversation this is something that i can actually do without any problem you know yeah and that that's what makes like growing a business and growing a podcast and all this so difficult because i mean you have to be able to show up on social media you have to be able to put yourself out there in that position and really if you're not going to kind of be your own cheerleader and kind of like actively throw your stuff out there it's very difficult for people to find you And it's easy to get drowned out by the people that are like, here it is, here it is, here it is. Like take all of the content and this is me and all of me. Like it's very difficult to look at it, like take a step back and say, okay, if I really want to see this succeed, I'm going to have to just put it out there. Right. And that's, that's really what I ended up doing with the podcast. Cause I, I put it off for a long time. Mm -hmm. I tried getting on video and it was (laughs) killing me because (laughs) I, I could not do it. It was so frustrating uh-huh. And finally, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out. If nobody listens, nobody listens. If people think it's terrible, like, whatever. But at least I can say that I tried and I did it. Right. And since doing that, like, it's opened up so many doors and opportunities for me that I I only wish I would have gotten over that, like, tipping point to say, screw it and just do it sooner because it's it's been a blast since I've started. Right. It's like one of those uh, crazy quotes where they say that you kind of have to do things that are uncomfortable to you because only then you'll see the other side. And it's, I know it sounds like silly or whatever, but sometimes when it's done, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. And it's- that's, that, I mean, that's how, um, and you know, like we, we talked before, I didn't really, I even try to do videos by myself and I, I was just, I was just not digging it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I want to do something, but this is not what I want to do. So mm-hmm. I think is, it's also just, you, you kind of have to do a lot of trial and errors and see what works best for you. And I think even if you enjoy a little bit of something, you know, all it is, is putting in the work. You know, because at the beginning, even till now, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm a good podcast host, but the point is to get whatever you want to do going and just keep going at it. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is something I've actually, I brought some guests on my show to talk about that specifically, like more for video, because that Mm -hmm. was something that I was trying to overcome. And I put out videos. I got some videos up on YouTube now, so that's really cool. But getting outside of that comfort zone is definitely if you want to progress and see growth, that's what you have to do. 
right. and like what you're doing with the podcast. Like, I think that's awesome because you are stepping outside of your comfort zone to do it. It's not right. something you were just born with and you're like, all right, give me the mic. Let's do this thing. Right. But something that I like to bring up and I think it, I don't know when this like realization hit me, but when, when we're younger and we're learning new things, mm-hmm. we never think about it. We don't think about what people are thinking about. We don't mm-hmm. think about how it's going to affect other people. We don't like, we don't have those thoughts. We just go out and do it. Like someone says, Oh, you want to learn how to throw a football? Sure. Boom. Throw it. Like you don't really think about, is that throw going to look dumb? Right. People are going to think that I look like I'm unathletic and it's that repetition that not caring what other people think and just going ahead and doing it that eventually builds those skills. Right. And I think as we get older, we just become more self-aware and conscious of like other people around us. And we're like, Oh shoot. Like if I do this, that means other people are going to see me doing it. And what if I do it bad? Like then they're going to think, Oh, that person doesn't know what he's talking about or she's, she's not good at that. And I think we just have to like really break that mindset and that barrier that's holding us back and just, Say, you know what? I'm going to start out. It's going to suck probably at the beginning. (laughs) And we just have to keep pushing forward and eventually it's going to get better. Right. I mean, you talk about, you hear people all the time talk about video and they're like, yeah, my first hundred videos just sucked. And then by 101, it was like, it all kind of clicked. It started coming together. Well, if you didn't do one to 100 first, you're never going to get to 101 that's going to finally click. Right. So being able to put yourself out there and say, okay, this is uncomfortable and it's probably going to suck, but I really want to do this. And I think that this is the direction I need to go. Right. Be willing to, to, to deal with that. Yeah. It almost like we have to go back to, you know, our thinking ways as, as a kid, because as a kid, we were, we were, we were fearless. We weren't thinking out the consequences. We just did whatever we wanted. And we did whatever we could to have fun. And, you know, eventually you you learn through it because now I have a kid and, you know, <clears throat> when I see her doing crazy stuff, I'm like, you know, it, it just, it gives me anxiety. But then it's like, that's, a, that's how I was as a kid. I didn't give a shit <laughs> whether I broke a leg or an arm or anything. And I remember one time I saw um, like a, two kids were, were fighting and then one of them rats to the mom right in front of the other one like oh the, you know he's hitting me and it, the other kid they, they both didn't care right yeah. and right after they just started playing again and it's like <laughs> when do you when do adults do that you know when somebody talks smack on somebody you don't go tell them up front you some you know, there's some that go behind their back and you know that's what i mean like sometimes we have to act like kids again and right be fearless and at the end of the day it's i mean it goes back to back to normal yeah no um, exactly i i honestly think social media has definitely had a major impact on that mentality um obviously just as we get older we kind of come become more conscious and more self-aware and I mean, you don't want to be completely reckless and like in danger or hurt someone right next to you. So you kind of have that more thinking of other people right. in mind. But with social media specifically, and I'm thinking like Instagram, like how people post the highlight reels. Social media is all, that's all it is, is a highlight reel. And it gives the perception of perfection. 
Mm-hmm. And right. if you're new in like the content creation space and you're seeing that, you're like, well, hell, I can't be that. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I be posting? I'm competing against all these people who are perfect. Right. But they're only sharing the highlights. They're not sharing like the first hundred takes they did to get that perfect photo. They're only sharing the best right. photo out of the bunch. So it it really warps people's mindset, I think, being able to see the highlight reels on social media and not see all of the the bad that led up to that highlight. Right. Right. It, when the first time you you know, if you're if you're new and you're especially new to social media and you want to start something and you dig into Instagram or whatever it may be, right away it already looks threatening and it looks scary, you know, yeah. because there's so much people already doing what you're doing and there's there's so much competition and there's so much that you have to yeah so there's so much that you have to compete so it kind of you have to like break out of that barrier and be like you know what even then even though i have so much competition i'm still gonna do it because i want to because you can easily just back off and be like you know what fuck that that's too much you know yeah that's yeah that's that's i mean that's the way that i see it so um, back to uh, project management. Um, it I'm I'm kind of curious to know like what are some things that you have to learn as a project manager in the construction industry? Like, do you have to learn like how the beams the the beams work, the material, the geometry, or stuff like that? So. I think, I think our our industry is a little bit different than some in the project management realm um, because we have, like, we have a project manager, we have our foremans that kind of man the, the individual crews, and then we have a superintendent that is kind of like over the whole project, mm-hmm. and that superintendent, he's he kind of handles a lot of that side of it. Oh, okay. Um, and like I'll weigh in on my opinions, but he's like the he's the expert in the field. Mm. Like he's the ultimate decision maker in that aspect. Um, I have noticed through like the project management courses and stuff like that, a lot of times that project manager is kind of the one that has that say. Like these are the resources we're going to use. This is how we're going to do it. Um, so th- so our superintendent kind of acts as like a another project manager in a way. Right. Um. So I mean. Really, I, I mean, I can tell you honestly that I don't know all of the materials and the ins and outs and the equipment and when we necessarily need to use this versus that. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of the projects and everything, there are a lot of like specs and documentation and stuff like that to be referred back to. So mm-hmm. I definitely lean on all of those, knowing knowing the contract, knowing the specifications and how the project needs to be constructed constructed is extremely important. Um, so really it's more about the, each project is different, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at. So mm. being able to, if you don't know the answer, being able to go and find it is extremely key. Mm. Um, so that that's a lot of what it comes down to there. Mm. Okay. And I mean, you, you seem like you have a pretty, I would say that you have a pretty cool, um, you know, career because you're one, you're a project manager and not only that, but you have the opportunity to 
you know, at least have the opportunity to travel from place to place. And some places may not be, you know, say as vacation wise, <laughs> but it's definitely <laughs> out of your, your normal um, place, you know, and mm -hmm. from, from being there and being as a project manager, what kind of made you uh, go ahead and start your own podcast? So really, um, oh, I guess first for one, yeah, being able to travel has been super cool because like, it's not like a typical, I guess, person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of times you, you'd graduate college or you go get a career job and then wherever you find that career job is kind of where you kind of plant your roots and that's where we're going to live from now on. So my wife and I have been talking about this a lot because we really don't know where we want to live because we're not tied down to a specific job. Right. We kind of have the freedom to go wherever we want. So that's really cool. Um, but why I actually wanted to start building my own business, it, it just, there's something about the the lack of control and the lack of freedom that comes with having like a nine to five job that mm -hmm. I just really don't, I guess, fit well with. I don't mesh well with that. Um, I like to be able to do what I want when I want. I don't have to request time off. I don't have to, say I necessarily have to come in and stay from six until five o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the afternoon and like being able to have the freedom to kind of go, Hey, we want to have an extended weekend this weekend, or we want to get away for a week, like being able to just go and do that mm -hmm. and not have the, the monetary restriction that would go along with that. And I think that's, that's really where my, drive to do something and build something of my own kind of came from was being able to kind of take control of that aspect of my life and have that freedom to, if we want to take a vacation, we're going to go take a vacation. Like I, right. I set that schedule. Right. And, um, when, uh, where did the, I mean, have you always had kind of the entrepreneur mindset or where did that come from? No. And actually I, I honestly, I thought that what I was doing, this path that I was on with the project management and everything, I thought like that was, mm -hmm. that was going to be it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to end up doing this until I retire and then who knows what next. <laughs> and I, I knew it didn't, it didn't feel right. Like it didn't, like I would think about it and be like, man, that's a long time to just ride this out. Or even if I were to change jobs, like go sit in a cubicle for the next 20, 30 years, whatever right. it is. And it wasn't until I found a book. Mm -hmm. I was I was doing some digging at Barnes and Noble, and I was like in the business section because I was like, I'm I graduated college, like I have a job. I have to take business seriously because I'm a businessman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually I found a book, and it was called The Millionaire Fast Lane by M.J. DeMarco, and it seems like a total like get rich quick, schemey type of a book. Right, and it was definitely not. Like it completely blew my mind because inside that book, he's like, why would you get a career, work your ass off at that career until you turn 65, hopefully have saved up enough money to retire on and hopefully be healthy enough to enjoy it once you're finally retired? Who's to say you're not going to be in a wheelchair at 65 and your passion for traveling? Well, that's out the window because now you can't get around or you plan to save and you finally get to retirement and find out, well, hell, I don't have enough money to retire yet. 
after right. still working others five, 10 years or however long that is. He's like, you should be enjoying now while you're healthy and able mm-hmm. instead of waiting for the unknown to happen. Right. And that like really stuck with me. And he, he gets an all to like the pos the passive income and that whole side of things to kind of free up your time and still get income coming in. So that, I mean, that whole concept in that book really just kind of caught my attention. I was like, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I need to do. And before that I, I thought, okay, well, entrepreneurs, those are your like Jeff Bezos, your, your Elon Musk, your Bill Gates, like your billionaires, mm-hmm. not, I wasn't thinking or seeing the successful entrepreneurs that are making six figures and you don't hear about them because they're not making billions of dollars, but they're making six figures. They're living the life they want to live. They have the freedom to come and go as they please. They're not worried about the money. It's they're doing something they love and they're making decent money doing it. And after doing the digging and seeing all that, I was like, that's what I want. That's what I need to work towards. So mm-hmm. that, that was kind of the, the turning point where I'm like, Oh, entrepreneurship that that's a thing that's a real thing that anybody can achieve if they want it what were some of the trials and errors that that you made along the way that eventually led you to podcasting so i i started so actually before i even started the nine five to freedom brand like that's kind of my umbrella brand that the Mm -hmm. podcast kind of fits into as well before I did that, I started a business with my dad and my brother, mm-hmm. and it's called Experient, and it's basically okay. a, it's the kind of a similar concept to like Airbnb, but for oh, okay. like outdoor gear, mm-hmm. so like kayak rentals, bike mm. rentals, like that type of stuff. Okay. And as we're working on building that, I thought like, okay, if I'm if I'm going to be doing this and I'm working on this with my dad and my brother, like. I would like to also build some kind of personal brand as well. Like I want some kind of personal brand to go along with Mm. it. And why not, as I'm building it, kind of show people what I'm doing to build a business? Because surely I'm not the only one that wants to build something of their own. Right. So I really started with blogging and that whole content creation side. It was basically like blogging and social media. And I wasn't consistent at all. So that was my first big mistake is Mm. that... I would post sporadically. I wouldn't post that often. When I did post, it would I'd post it, promote it for like a week, and then wouldn't touch it again. Mm-hmm. And it was like constantly being inconsistent like that. I, I ended up getting like busy with the project management stuff and couldn't focus on it. So there was probably like a good six, seven months where I didn't post a single blog post. Mm-hmm. And then finally I came back to it. I was like, okay, no, I got to get back on this. Got to take it seriously. And then I started focusing on SEO. For anyone listening, mm-hmm. that it's search engine optimization. It's basically like how your website shows up on Google. Mm-hmm. So if you were to search podcasting, who are the first people that pop up when you type in podcasting? Right. That was kind of the whole idea with the blog is that I'm going to figure out how to rank my pages higher to really get more traffic to my website and be able to bring in money. Right. But with that mindset, if you're not focusing on the people that you're writing to, it's completely worthless. Yeah, you're going to get traffic coming to your website, but it's not going to be what anyone's looking for and no one's going to stay on your website. No one's going to spend money on your website. Like it's just, you're bringing people to send them away basically. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of in the transition of all that and 
I don't know, blogging, blogging and writing is just kind of not something I totally enjoy. Like I do it because I know it's important, but it's not something where I'm like every day I just want to go write another blog post. That's just not me. But then I started getting into video and I was like, okay, video is where it's at. (laughs) Everyone's talking about video, video's buzzing right now. Like that's what I need to do. I need to focus on video. And like I mentioned earlier, it was a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Every time I hit record, like I'd, I'd know the content. I know what I want to talk about. I'd hit record on it and all of my thoughts would just com- completely eliminate. They'd be gone from my <laughs> head. And I, it was so frustrating. <laughs> and after, after repeatedly failing at that, I went to TikTok and I was like, okay, like I'm going to get myself on camera. I'm going to be mm-hmm. in front of the video. TikTok is exploding right now. So if I right. end up growing a following as I'm doing it, like more power to me, I like set it on a goal. I was going to like, I'm going to post, I think it was a hundred videos in 30 days on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Missed that, missed that entirely. Oh. <laughs> I, I got to like maybe like 50 and then that's when it all kind of died. Yeah. But through that process, it was probably like two or three weeks in, like I realized, okay, this isn't as scary as i thought it was like i was showing up like face in camera like showing up talking to the camera every day two three four sometimes five videos a day and through that i was like okay this isn't that bad like i could Mm -hmm. do this and my wife was actually the one i think she was listening to a podcast and they talked about starting a podcast right and said you just have to do it you have to stop thinking about it stop getting inside your own head stop waiting just do it and she told me that, and I was like, yeah, like I, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I immediately I started looking up how to start a podcast. I started reaching out to people like, okay, if I started a podcast, would you want to be a guest on my show? Like, right. Especially like right at the beginning, like just people in my circle that I knew. Right. They're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So started getting those interviews, started getting everything set up, and like within 45 days, like the podcast was like launched. I had – like four or five episodes recorded, like ready to go. And then since then we've just been going every single week since. So it's from something that was just like a, a thought and an idea right. evolved into like that. That's my main, my main source of content creation right now is definitely the podcast. Right. Right. Wow. And right now, how many ap- episodes are you at right now? Um, at the time of this recording, I have 35 published and 36 going out tomorrow. Wow. So Very since, nice. since July of last year, I think I missed one or two weeks and that was like holiday stuff. Right. So other than that, it's been consistent and pretty much all of them were interview all guests so far. That's kind of my mm-hmm. bringing on entrepreneurs every week is kind of the the premise of it. So. Right. It's been a lot to keep up and like try to keep getting guests to come in and find new people to come on the show. But it's been a lot of fun. I've been able to connect with awesome people and it's allowed me to start coming on podcasts and doing all that. So it's been just an amazing experience. Right. As you get more and more episodes in, do you feel like it's getting easier for you, more complicated for you? Yes. so it's it's been getting easier for me because i've i've kind of started systemizing a lot of the stuff so when it comes to actually recording the podcast i went through several different programs several different ways of recording the podcast 
mm. until I finally landed where I'm at now and really happy right. with where I'm at. And then it came down to the editing. Editing was taking me forever. Like I, the first couple episodes, it, I probably spent six to eight hours editing the audio, the audio, not even video, just audio for the podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And I learned ways to speed that up. And now I've cut that down to edit an entire episode. My episodes are usually 45 minutes to an hour long. It'll take me about an hour and a half to edit the entire episode. Nice. And then it's published, ready to go. Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, in that aspect, it's definitely gotten easier. Okay. I built those systems in place. But then as I'm getting more time from doing that, now I'm focusing on other ways to try to grow the show. Right. So all of my episodes, because I record remotely, I've been getting video of everybody from the very beginning. That's just what I started doing. So I was like, I want to have that content. So later I could post it if I want to. Right. But I knew it was going to be too much to take on. So now I'm starting to try incorporating that into the mix. So now I'll have audio and video that I can publish on YouTube and social mm. media and doing that whole gambit. So that's made it complicated now. Mm. Trying to figure out how to systemize that process now so I'm not spending eight hours editing a, a podcast episode for video. Right. And as far as guests, do you think now you're you're getting more and more guests as you put in more episodes or you think that your guests are dying down? No, I mean, right now I probably... This is the most, like, most interest I've had in terms mm-hmm. of, like, guests coming on the show. Oh, okay. And it, it started out at the beginning where I'd record an episode, like, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and I'd be publishing it the next Wednesday. Okay. Like, it was, it was pretty tight. I think some of them I even, like, recorded it on a Monday or Tuesday and released it on Wednesday. Like, I was running a really tight mm. line with getting the episodes out, and... Now I've I've started building up a decent bank where I think I probably have 10 to 15 episodes either recorded or scheduled right now. Like wow. interviews already done, kind of just in the bank. And I ha- I've been going through a list of podcast guests that I have right now. And I'm having to go back and start reaching out to these people. But I probably, with those people that I have interviews to get set up with, I probably have another 15 possibly interviews of people that would be interested in coming on. Oh, okay. So if I can get that done, that'll, that'll get me pretty close to the the fourth quarter of 2021. So that'll, that'd be really cool to kind of get those interviews like locked in and know that I have that much content to lean on and not right. really have to worry about like, am I going to have an episode next week? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yep. And see, I like, beginning as you know before i started the podcast you don't really realize all the work that it really dives into as far as you know editing and that's not even just just simple editing not even adding all the stuff that you think is going to make your podcast more attractive you know there's mm-hmm. there's all the editing the audio every little detail and even you know the guests you know because before you you think okay i'm starting a podcast and i'm gonna have all kinds of people in there but then when you're actually doing like you know all right who do i go to next you know there was a time where you know i had to almost um not shoot an episode for like two weeks because i couldn't i just couldn't get a guest and you know just like how we were saying that you kind of have to go out of your comfort zone 
you know, I feel like if you want to succeed in whatever you're doing, you're going to have to constantly, constantly go through that because yeah, you were, you broke out of your comfort zone to start a podcast, but now you got to do it again to find more and more and more guests because as, as you grow, you know, everything else is also growing and you're going to have to just keep on breaking, um, you know, all, all the barriers. And, you know, thankfully now as you know, uh, like you mentioned, as you put in more work, then it kind of, it does, it does become more, more easier. And I think it's always the, the like the first ones where you're trying to figure kind of stuff out. And even as far as the software, like I had no idea. I had to even, I had to say like, okay, which, which software do I use? You know, there was at the beginning, I was just using my iPhone and I turned out that, you know, that was probably not the best. There was, there was actually, you know, another, there was a lot time more programs that you can use that are be, that could be more effective and more efficient to, you know, videos like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot to it once you start getting into it <laughs> for sure. Right. I mean, it, and you could, I've probably with how I've kind of set everything up and where I'm going now, like I've tried to make it the simplest way possible to kind of cut out all of the extra issues that you can encounter. But I mean, there's always going to be something that is going to bug you. At least that's how I am. I don't know if that's how you are, where it's like, yes, something happens each week and you're like, gosh, that really makes me so mad. Like I, I need to find a solution to that. I need to fix that. Or I need to figure out the right way to edit that. Or like, right. I don't know. It seems like there's always ways to improve. There's always ways to get better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool because through starting the podcast and doing the interviews, like I've kind of become really good at networking hmm. and that, that's really helped too with the podcast, like bringing the guests and finding new guests and stuff like that. Like you're bringing on a guest, they know people. I'm, usually they're going to know people. So if you get done interviewing someone and you're still looking for guests, be like, hey, like if there's anybody that you know that would be interested or would be a good fit for the show, like I'd love your thoughts on that. And I've, I've gotten quite a few interviews just doing that. Nice. Some people will be like, oh, yeah, here's a list of like five people. Here are their emails. Go reach out. And then it's a super easy, you've already built the trust up with that guest. Right. And you say, hey. I just did an episode with Nick. He threw me your name and said that you might be interested in coming on the podcast. Like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, Nick was on the podcast. Like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. You've already kind of like, you've kind of jumped that curve of like having to build that trust because someone they trust has already put their trust in you. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're trusted by association at that point. Right. So being able, like, again, stepping out of your comfort zone, not being afraid to ask. If you don't ask, you're not going to get anything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a big, I guess, tip for everybody. Like, no matter what you're doing, don't be afraid to ask questions because you never know who knows who. Or right. the person you're asking could be the exact person that you need in your life to make that next step or that next jump. But if you're too nervous to ask and you just kind of sit in the corner, then, yeah, it's, that opportunity is going to pass and you won't even know it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I mean, it, this is, it, it's all, you know, it, it's great. And I feel like it's, it kind of sucks because this is something that 
we can even do in public, but you know, now the way that things have gone and sometimes from information being exploited too much, there's out there in society, there's less people uh, uh, connecting with each other, you mm -hmm. know? So I feel, I feel like throughout time, kind of network within the community, within people has kind of, kind of died down and hopefully, you know, conversations like this start up, start it up again, you know, mm -hmm. because as I'm talking to, you know, as I'm getting guests, you know, I realize that when you talk to somebody, there's, you're always going to find something that you're in common with in that person no matter whether whether you don't have the same whether or not you have the same political views whether or not you have the same dislikes the same likes you're always going to find something in common that you both can actually have a conversation about and laugh about and you know it kind of gives you you know at least to me it's given me even more um, of a confidence to talk to people and really know what they're all about, what what they think about, how they feel about things and, you know, what it, what they like to do for fun. So it, you know, I feel like just talking and having communication within one another can be super, super, super beneficial, not only for, you know, for that one person, but also for everybody. And, you know, we're for years we've always been a species that that works best as you know as a community i mean you know the early early ideas that happened you know they came they started from one idea and it got communicated from one person to another to another to another and eventually it you really you see that idea really grow and you see the idea become really beneficial to the community, you know, and that's kind of the only, I feel like that's something that we don't really take for granted that we definitely should, because that's something that, you know, it's been passed on to us and there's no reason why we shouldn't pass it on to our future generations, you know? Yeah. I was actually, it's, it's kind of funny you brought that up because I was just throwing together I might have been on social media, I might have been on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I, I put out a, a post in the description I talked about. It was a Mark Shields quote, the there's always strength by numbers. Mm -hmm. And it like fits perfectly into what you're saying right there because oh. <laughs> it I mean, it's exactly right. If if you're just one person, mm -hmm. there's only so much you can do. But if you have others around, like in your community and within your space, like you can lift each other up. Right. I think what often happens, especially from like a business standpoint, is it gets so competitive. It's like, no, I can't, I can't help you. You're my competition. Right. And really that's, I mean, it's true and it's not like there's enough space here for everybody. Like right. even the most competitive niches, like there's still room for people in those niches. You're not, it might be difficult to like come out with the next Nike or the next Adidas or something like that, but you could create a clothing brand and a shoe brand that does super successful that allows you to live the life that you want to live just because you can't be Nike doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue that like dream or that passion. And if you, if 
people are able to like come together and kind of help build each other up. Like, like a podcasting standpoint, like you and I are both podcasters. We're both competing for listeners attention, but like, I have no problem helping you grow your podcast or doing what I can to help give you tips and vice versa. Like, Mm -hmm. even though we're kind of competing for the same listenership, like, I mean, there's still space in here for both of us. I guarantee there's people who have never heard of me that listen to you and people who have never heard of you that listen to me. And if we can share those audiences and share those experiences, like we're both going to talk about stuff differently. Right. So some of your people might fit better with my audience. And some of my people might fit better with your audience. Like that's just how it is. But yeah, being afraid to kind of come together as a community, like fear of competition and all that, I think is, is kind of silly in my opinion. Right. Right. I think it should be more of a, you know, friendly competition if anything where, you know, you can both, you know, Hey, you know what I'm having, we're both selling the same product, but I'm having trouble with this. You know, I think it's all about how you communicate because if you're, if you're doing something that the other person is already doing and you're trying to just replicate the same thing without even communicating with each other, then, you know, that's when it turns into this coalition between each other and this competition thing where you say, you know what, I, I really like the idea that you came up, you know, as a cool if I go ahead and use it for, for what I'm working on, you know, and from there that that's, you know, that's one way of kind of going about it. But when you got kind of no communication, that's, you know, that's where kind of it all trickles down and that's when it gets all, you know, all complicated. All right. Yeah, that's when the fighting starts. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So do you, you mentioned that the book that you read and kind of aligned you of entrepreneurship, do you, do you do a lot of reading? Um, not so much reading. Mm -hmm. I I listen to a lot of books. Oh, okay. Um, I actually driving to the job site, I have like an hour commute to and from work every day. Mm-hmm. So it's given me a lot of opportunities to consume a lot of podcasts and consume a lot of audiobooks. And that that's something that was kind of a, a goal of mine was to start reading more because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I have a hard time just sitting down doing nothing. I'm kind of like right. always in go mode. Nice. If, I, if I'm sitting down doing nothing, I'm sitting down and like watching TV. Like mm-hmm. I'm reading is like work for me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I feel like if I have to read, I'm having to like exert so much more energy. So being able to like on the commute, like turn on the audiobook and just listen to it. Um, Plus I'm a, I'm more of a, an auditory and like visual learner. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll read three pages in a book and be like, Oh shoot. Like what did I just read? My mind's like all over the place. So I've, I've actually consumed since starting to do that. I've consumed quite a few books in the last couple of years that, like I'm, I'm really proud of. I actually just picked up another book this morning and started listening to that one. But lately, I, I've fallen off the consuming content for a while because I, I was just taking in too much information, like getting too many ideas, mm. and it was just locking me up. So I had to take a break from that for a little bit, and then now I got back on it, started listening to podcasts again, and picking up books. And right, last year I kind of went a bit crazy on reading books, but I feel like, well, with, with me, I've, um, you know, I read a lot of books, but
But one of the things was that was noticing was that even though I'm reading a lot of books, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm capturing every little word that it says. Uh-huh. You know, so kind of this year, what I'm trying to do is if a book is interesting enough, I go ahead and read it two or even three times to where it really grabs onto me. And, you know, I feel like that has really helped especially with you know with the podcast because now it it gives me opportunity to have you know another conversation into whatever um you know whatever i'm reading about mm-hmm. you know and i mean depending on when you read it the first time like if you read it a couple of months ago you're going to be at a different place in your life right now than right. you were a few months ago so now that book might mean something completely different to you at this point in your life you might pick up different things or draw different connections that you didn't make that first time so i I think that's that's an awesome thought there i there's a couple books that i've come back to and like reread or re-listened to but for the most part i've just kind of consumed and went on my way Mm -hmm. but i i do think it's extremely important like a lot of my a lot of the books that i read are like personal development okay Um, i started i forced myself to read like a couple fiction books just to like kind of break up the idea that I have to like constantly be like engaged in learning. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but I, I've noticed like even listening to podcasts, like that's one of my main sources of education mm-hmm. is right. through podcasts. Right. And if I'm constantly taking in all of this information, mm-hmm. constantly coming up with ideas, and then I constantly sidetrack myself because I'm like, oh, I have to do that. And then I'll re- listen to a new podcast or read a new book and be like, oh, no, I have to do that. And I didn't even finish what I started the first time. And I, I just keep sending myself down a spiral like that. So for me, because I'm so easily distracted that way, I go through like a stint where I'll like consume a bunch of content and mm-hmm. then I won't consume anything. Oh, okay. I'll just go and like just focus and on just, doing what I'm doing. Wraps around your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll come back and I'll just start consuming a bunch of content. Right. And then come back. Like it's a kind of a cycle because otherwise, yeah, I'll just yeah. continually be spinning myself in a circle and not getting anything done. Right. Right. Do you prepare for the guests that you have coming on? So, yes. I, I don't do like a real in depth dive into the guest. Mm-hmm. And I, I know some people that are like, yeah. I read all of their books. I listen to all the episodes they've ever been on. Like I, like I know everything about the podcast or the guests when mm-hmm. they come on. Mm-hmm. And I, I see where that'd be beneficial, but I also don't like that approach very much just right. because I want to come from a little bit more of a mindset that my listener is going to have. Right. I want to ask the questions that my listeners would want to know. And if I know everything about the guest, I'm going to ask the questions that I want to know because I already know so much about this guest, but a lot of my listeners might not know them. So I'll skip over the basic information that everyone's like, well, what, why did he skip that? Why didn't he answer? Why didn't he ask that question? I don't know that answer. Right. So I'll do some research. I know the topics. I do prepare like an outline for the guest ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go to their website, go to their social media, see what they're doing, see how they're doing it. Just so I know really what they're all about. And then kind of draw up an outline for the episode that way Hmm. and then i send it over to the guest they review it i say okay is anything you need to be changed in here are you comfortable with this topic like Hmm. i want the guest to to sound good and look good too like it's not just about me looking good on the show like they're coming on the show i want them to look good too Hmm. so 
I definitely get their input. If they're good, then we dive into it. And then I start getting into some of the questions I have on the outline. We'll dive deeper in other aspects, but um, yeah. So I, I think being able to partially prepare and then being able to come from a place of curiosity and really try to put yourself in the listener's like viewpoint. Right. It really helps create like better interviews ultimately. Right. So you you send them a video of or audio, whatever it may be, of what the podcast after it's done, and then they tell you whether they like it or they want anything cut or anything like that. No, usually, I mean, with with a podcast, like if you think about it, it's, it's your show, right? So, I mean, you have the freedom to do whatever you want after it's already recorded. The, the outline and everything that I give them, I send that to them before we record and say, mm. like, okay, based on the stuff you do. And the knowledge you have or the knowledge I think you have, like, these are the main topics that I want to try to cover in this episode. Mm. But I like to keep it. I don't keep it, like, super strict. I know some people are like, these are the points we're covering. And we're not it. straying away from the script. And right. let's have fun, I guess. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's not fun. Like, it's not. Right. I like the natural flow like this. Like, we're just having a conversation. We're just two guys chatting. Mm-hmm. talking about whatever we want to talk about right so i like having a little bit of a like the main points just so that i know like the listeners are going to get something of value out right of it. right but at the same time like i want it to just be us chatting about this topic i want to be talking about what you're an expert on share what you know about your expertise so that i can so i can learn it selfishly and mm-hmm. <laughs> so that my <laughs> listeners can learn it as well right do do your coworkers uh, know that you have a podcast? Yeah, a lot of some of them are starting to catch on now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> For a while, they didn't, and then because I, I mean, I posted on social media, I, I throw it all up there too. So now uh-huh. they're now they're starting to find it, and yeah, I've, I've actually gotten some good feedback from oh, really? quite a few yeah. of them. Yeah, so I was pretty surprised. Some of them came back and they're like. Honestly, dude, like yours is one of my favorite entrepreneur podcasts. Like, what? <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> right. Very cool. So now, um, I mean, what if um, do you do you continue to just do both both project management and podcasting forever? Or I mean, or do you eventually want to you know get out to more of entrepreneurship and just stay there or where, where do you see yourself in let's say 10 years yeah 10 years 10 years i want to be done with project management i want to be out of that i want to be focused on my own business this right. this year 2021 is really kind of the year that i dubbed as like the the year of monetization for the 95 podcast and the 95 to freedom brand as a whole mm-hmm. um, it's something to this point i haven't really done uh, I've, I've done a little bit of affiliate marketing. So anybody who's not familiar with that, it's basically products that I use. I only promote product, products that I use or like. Um, if it's a product, I'll put information out about the product. If it's a mm-hmm. product that you want to use and you per- choose to purchase through my link, mm. I'll end up getting a small commission and nice. it doesn't charge you anything extra to give me that commission. The company that promotes that product or that's selling that product just gives me a portion of the profits nice so i've dabbled in that i haven't put a lot of effort into it so i've made a little bit from that but other than that all of my content has just been free content through the blog post through the podcast through videos now and we all know unless you're 
a YouTube phenom that's getting 50 million dollars or 50 million views a month on your YouTube videos, like trying to make a living off of YouTube is difficult. Um, right. So I, I don't plan to make money off of that alone. I'm working on some digital courses and some more paid offerings that I can eventually sell and kind of put out there in the world. And that's kind of where my, my initial monetization efforts are kind of going towards that, that kind of creation. What are some of the tips or advices you may have for a new podcaster trying to be like affiliated with like companies or products where they can earn at least a little bit of a commission from them? I would say as you're getting started, you're going to find a lot of tools. You're going to find a lot of software. You're going to find equipment. Pay attention to those tools and software and see if they have affiliate programs. Mm. A lot of times, like Buzzsprout, that's the podcast host that I use. So when I publish my podcast episodes, I upload them all to Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout pushes them all out to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of that. They have a referral program. And basically, they give you a little link. And when I create my content, so I'm working on a lot of content around starting a podcast. When I create content and say, if you're looking for podcast hosts, I use Buzzsprout. This is my Mm -hmm. favorite host. And that's true. It's genuine. Like, I'm not saying I use this or I really like this and I've never used it before. Like Buzzsprout, I only recommend stuff that I've used. So this is what I use. It's Buzzsprout. Sorry, dogs. And (laughs) if you want to purchase it, here's the link. I am an affiliate, so I would get a commission if you use that link. And just take a look at all the software that you use like that and see if they have affiliate programs where you do feel comfortable promoting it. Then lastly, Amazon. Amazon has like one of the biggest affiliate programs because you can sign up for their program and then any product that is on Amazon, you can get an affiliate link for. Mm -hmm. So if I put together a guide of all the podcast equipment that you need to get started, you need a microphone, you need headphones, maybe you want the boom mic, like maybe you want all these different things. And I could pull Amazon affiliate links for all of those items and say, hey, here's a shopping list for Amazon. And if they purchase anything on Amazon after that, you become, mm-hmm. you get a commission from that. But that, that's what's really cool about Amazon is you could say, I say like, here, get this mic. It's 60 bucks. I think this one specifically is $60. If you go to Amazon through my link and you take a look at the mic and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off. Like I'm, I'm not going to get it yet. But then you're like, Oh, but while I'm on Amazon, like I could use a new hard drive or like I was really needing a new computer mouse and you get other products. Mm-hmm. You still get the affiliate commission for the products they purchased, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't the microphone because you referred them to Amazon and got them there on Amazon. Uh, you actually earn a commission from that. Pretty cool. Their commissions are smaller than some other like software programs and tools like that. But I mean, yeah, Mm. I I always think like if you referred someone and they end up getting like thousands of dollars worth of camera gear or bought a new (laughs) drone or something like that, you'd make a pretty decent commission. Right. Try to sell them that product. (laughs) Right. So 2020 and hopefully, I mean, 2020 was just, I don't even know what to call it because it was it was a mess, but then there was nothing going on, you know, and it seems like this year is 
um, somewhat, I mean, somewhat getting kind of a little bit back to normal, um, you know, and it has has some effects on people, some positive, some negative. How has it, how did 2020, what were this, like big effects that 2020 put on you? Um, it, it was a bummer not being able to travel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's something like like i said me and my All wife right. like to travel we like to go away like on extended weekends um usually every year around like january february like the last couple of years we've been taking a trip to hawaii mm-hmm. kind of like getting away for a little bit mm-hmm. and weren't able to do that so that was kind of a bummer but like not being able to do the traveling because i mean even just like weekend trips like we'd pick a random place that we haven't been to and just be mm-hmm. like hey we're gonna go there we're gonna scope out the breweries and scope out what they got going on there and just kind of hang out and have a blast and that was always really fun so not being able to do that really sucked right but had the pandemic and everything kind of getting shut down and being locked in place had that not happened there's a good chance that i wouldn't have started my podcast really and then i i mean because i didn't start the podcast there would be a lot of other things that i probably wouldn't have started Mm. so I, I see it. Yeah, it's a bummer that we didn't get to do things that we typically like to do mm-hmm. when everything was going well, but it also opened up some opportunities and I guess kind of put opportunities in front of me that I may have not taken before. Right. Right. So I'm 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 in the middle. I'm thankful, but at the same time kinda bummed. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you mentioned that you did uh traveling a lot. What were some of the best places that you've gone uh traveling to um maui is by far oh really my favorite place ever yeah i don't know if you've ever been if you ever get a chance to go Mm -hmm. go maui is so beautiful (laughs) oh really yeah are you the are you one of the ones that like to do all the activities or just like to uh you know sit back enjoy and drink some what is it called the what is it uh the drinks, mojito toy or mojito drinks? Mojitos? Yeah, mojitos. <laughs> yeah, mojitos and Mai Tais. And yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, we're very, my wife and I joke about this a lot. Like, we're very much like can't sit still type of people. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, uh-huh. we have a really hard time going on vacation and just saying like, okay, all we're going to do this vacation is sit on the beach and do nothing else. We're like, <laughs> we're very, we got a very tight schedule. We're going to do this and we're going to do this, right. we're gonna do this. We got to be here. And I mean, that's just what we like to do. We like to experience things. We like to get out and just kind of venture around um, mm-hmm. there in Maui. One of our favorite things is like whale watching, Oh, whale watching, okay. snorkeling, hiking, nice. like doing all that. So we like to be on the boat. We like to be in the water. Um, yeah, we're just, seems like we're constantly moving we're just as exhausted leaving vacation if not more than when we entered it <laughs> right how, how or how's the feeling when you're snorkeling and you're down there and you kind of see like a completely different world from what you're used to it's it's pretty crazy we mm-hmm. we did the last time we went there we actually did it's called a discovery scuba dive okay so normally we just do like the snorkeling you're floating on top of the water and just kind of take a look oh, around okay mm-hmm. but with this discovery dive like they allow you to go down with the tanks like your full scuba gear oh, uh-huh. and you're scuba diving 
but it's right. like a it's a shortened session because you're not fully trained. Like they give you kind of a crash course before you do it, so you're not fully certified, but you can still dive. I think it was like 45 minutes or something. Wow! So we did that, and it was so freaking cool. Like being able to be down inside the water, not just floating up on top, is such a neat. Like you get close to stuff, you can see things, but then when you look out and see like nothing mm-hmm. on the other <laughs> side of you, and you're like anything could be over there (laughs) right (laughs) it just goes darkness like anything could pop out over there like that that's kind of scary but it's it's really cool it's right i don't know and there because when we go it's like prime whale season oh actually when you're underwater you can hear the whales like they're way off in the distance like you can't i've never seen one underwater but you can hear them like singing in the back and you're like holy cow it sounds like they're just beyond sight like if I were to swim out a little farther, they'd be right there. <laughs> right. Dang. And that's, I mean, I think that's so crazy how we have, you know, these huge, huge whales and all these, all this life underwater that we almost don't know much about. Yeah. You know, but then again, we're, we have that here on earth, but then we're out there in space trying to figure out stuff that it's almost unreachable mm-hmm. and here we have something that's reachable but we aren't able to or we don't explore it as much as we should you know yeah. and it's crazy how we even you want to invest all this time all this research research on like you know stuff that's already extinct but you know what about the stuff that we have now if it's crazy how we only appreciate it and yeah we only appreciate it once it's gone it's like what about the things that are here now if like a you know like a sperm whale or a humpback well that thing is huge it's massive you it if you if it was extinct we were like damn like that thing imagine how would it be living and have that thing around but it's like we have that thing around right yeah and we're not as fascinated <laughs> and we're not, you know, deep in research as we should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that, that's a really good point. I, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just like, every, you know, all like, you know, what they say, the dolphins are, um, they're almost, they, their brains are kind of uh, smarter than humans and just they're, it's crazy how they, kind of communicate through sonar and i don't know it it, the way we communicate you know is that how maybe is that their evolution and then what if our evolution evolution eventually is like that to where we're just communicating through sonar where we're just staring at each other (laughs) and there's just like you know yeah sonar through each other where we don't even have to you know even open our mouths is just brain to brain <laughs> communication and that's it. <laughs> that that's crazy, yeah. That I'm I'm buying it. I'm digging it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's the um does the um you know now with everybody are you with everybody getting uh, the the famous or infamous uh stimmy has that helped you out? The, the what? The stimmy, the stimulus? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, 
I think we got it like the first time around. Um, and then I don't know, they, they started changing it up where like once you hit like a certain threshold, then it, I don't know, it's like a percentage now in terms of like right how much you get. So that's, we're fortunate enough like with what we do, like we don't have to have the full amount. Nice. So that that's nice, but yeah. How do you feel about it like being distributed to, you know, everybody? I don't know. I I'm interested to see what happens. I kind of feel like it's it's all going out and then they're going to like all ask for it back. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it seems it seems too good to be true. <laughs> too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that kind of scares me like as and hopefully this is not the case for everybody, but as we as we go out, you know, we see all these people um, you know, it, it's definitely more money for anybody, you know, yeah. but then it, it scares me when there's people that they go out and they just spend it on stuff that they want. Oh, right. You know, and it could be going to someone who actually needs it. Not, yeah. Not only that, but if you want the same money coming in without relying on everybody, how about you invest it back into yourself? You know, yeah. what if you, you know, finally, you know, get a little stand or a little banner or something and start your own, you know, making your own, I don't know, your own burgers or something, Yeah, you know, because we, it's, um, and you know, it can, it's, it's, it's easy just to take advantage and then, then what after you take advantage, then you're going to want more and more and more. And it's just there's no way out of it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen people who, who definitely have taken advantage of that. And that's just a matter of like, I think for most people recognizing an opportunity and being really willing to do something with it. Right. It seems like there are a lot of people that, I mean, you hear about all the time, people who in the lottery usually end up worse off than they started. Yeah. And it's like, to me, in my mind, I don't understand how that's possible. Right. Like if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would be, I know exactly what I would end up doing with it. Like I'd be investing with it. I'd be making that money work for me, basically. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's, it blows my mind that people can just blow it all and then push themselves like, oh, this is my one time to splurge. Right. So now I'm going to, I'm going to blow it all in one night and then be like, <laughs> okay, well now, now I'm back right. to where I'm at. Like people are, people are turning it into, thousands tens of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars like they're using it and using it to their advantage right and i'm i mean that's why i i love the idea of entrepreneurship because even though you have this idea to kind of give yourself more freedom it doesn't happen overnight right. what really matters and what really you know makes you you is the process because within the process, you realize how much time you invest, how much money you invest. And once you have, you know, once you reach your, let's say, $100,000, then you really start to appreciate that money. Because you look back and say, you know what, this is how, in order to get this, I had to go through all this. And do I really want to give it up that easy? And am I going to quit now? Now that I have this, and I feel like that's why a lot of people that win the lottery, 
they tend to get rid of it right away because they don't have they don't have a struggle to get the lottery. Yeah. I you know, all it is is really one day they got it, they get a ticket, and the next day they win a million dollars. Where's the struggle? And I feel like with that's kind of like with the, during that, that's their mentality that as soon as I buy it, the ticket the next day, then, you know, I have a million dollars. I think that's how it's so easy for nothing. them to just, you know, let it waste so easily. Yeah. That's, that's probably a very valid reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick. Well, let's uh, wrap this up, man. That's All right, man. It's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're going to win the lottery, do something with it. Don't yes. just blow it. <laughs> yes. I mean, even if it's $50, $100, whatever it may be, it's yeah. always good to kind of, you know, invest it on yourself. Right? I love it. And if you're not going to do that, then send it my way and I'll do something <laughs> with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, thank you, man, for for doing this appreciate it and uh best luck to you and you know hopefully later on we'll be able to do another podcast yeah man uh, th- thanks for having me on this is a blast chatting with you and, and yeah can, getting can to know you, you a little bit more what's it oh can you say where like where people can find you or listen to you oh yeah so if you go to nine five to freedom.com that'll take you to like my main like i said the the hub mm-hmm. um but then the nine, if you go to nine five podcast.com, um, it's all spelled out. So I know it's a little bit confusing that I use letters for numbers, but it's spelled out N I N E F I V E podcast.com. And that will take you to like my main podcast page. And there you can find all of the recent episodes and kind of dive into the backlog there. But you can find the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts that's mm-hmm. it's all on there so yeah if anybody's hearing this and they're interested in hearing the stories of entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. kind of their transition from nine to five into entrepreneurship and how they did it like that definitely love to have you over there and get your input and feedback on it it's it's been a blast so far awesome man all right nick well thanks again man and yes. uh good luck to you and you know Keep it going. Thanks, man. You too. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Bye.